And he, being Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came in and put two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Awesome. Thank you, John. Good morning again, Flourishing Grace. How are we doing? Ready to get in the word together? Any kids? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Yeah, last Sunday I was gone. I was in, in uh, India with one of our partner ministries, uh, Asha India, getting to work with some uh, local pastors on the ground there. And uh, it's, it's good to be back. For those of you who haven't met, my name is Josh Knight, pastor of Preaching and Vision. Uh, we're going to be taking another trip to India, I think, uh, in April, early April, like that first week of April. If anybody is interested in going, you can come chat with me about it. We'll be rolling out some interest meetings uh, in, in the coming weeks on, on that. And yeah, it's fifth Sunday. Uh, so just a few times a year, we want to gather together with, with all of our not all, but most of the kids in, in the room, and so they can observe what we do here on Sunday, they can participate in the gathering with us this morning. I know there's some sermon bingo cards floating around out there, and so I, I took a look at one. I'm going to hit them all, so you just, you just you shout it out when you get it. You just, you just let me know. We'll get you that prize, whatever that prize is. I have no idea. It's going to be fun. Bingo. You started too soon. You started. That's cheating. That's cheating. Get her out of here. Uh, no, sermon bingo. Uh, just kidding, just kidding. Somebody give her a prize. We're starting a brand new series this morning. Um, generous, generous worship, generous worship. And uh, no, no, no quippy story to, to get us into. I'm just going to rip the band-aid off right, right out of the gate. We're going to be talking about money uh, at Flourishing Grace. And I know some of you are like, man, I'm brand new. What the heck, man? This is all church ever talks about. Man, I brought a friend. What are we doing? My kids are in the room. Uh, um, no. Uh, to, to my shame, I've been a pastor here for almost 10 years, and we've never done a series on money. Uh, we've, we've preached one off here and there maybe, but we've never actually done a series on generosity, a series on money. And so I think it's actually um, to, to my shame and to our detriment as a church, when we look at the Gospels and we look at the teaching of Jesus, what we see again and again and again and again, Jesus is talking about money. In fact, of all the things that we are recorded of Jesus talking about, um, the thing he talks about most is the kingdom of God. And the second thing he talks about is, is money. It's what he's always talking about. And so as the church, we should be talking about it quite a bit. In fact, I think that the church should talk about the money more than the world talks about money. And the world talks about money a lot. Just the difference is we should talk about it in a radically different way. A radically different way. What does it look like to become generous worshipers? That's what I want us to wrestle with here at Flourishing Grace. When Jesus talks about money, you know, we're, we're commanded to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. That is the single greatest commandment in the entire Bible. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. But when Jesus talks about money, he says, man, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Money is the reflection of our heart. It's a reflection of our loves. It's a reflection of our worship. What do you delight most in? Follow the money. You guys have all heard the phrase, follow the money. It's true when it comes to your worship as well. If you want to know what you actually treasure more than you treasure anything else, follow the money. 
If you want to know what you delight in more than you delight in anything else, follow the money. If you want to know who you really are, follow the money. And so as we follow the money here at Flourishing Grace, I asked our executive pastor, Binger, to just run some numbers for me uh, this past week. And I said, man, how are we doing? Like, what is, it, what is it reflecting of us as a church? And here's what we found. It was actually uh, kind of astonishing to me. But here's what we found. Um, 40% of us, 40% of those who attend Flourishing Grace, don't give anything at all. Like, at all. Not, nothing. 40% of us don't give anything at all. Um, of the 60% of us who do contribute, who do give to Flourishing Grace, um, less than half are giving regularly or, or even giving in any way that would demonstrate some sort of thought, right? It's easy to maybe just like kind of a few times a year kind of feel convicted and maybe throw some money at something or there's something going on. But th- there's less than half of those who actually give are actually sitting down and thinking through this and regularly worshiping with their money or have some sort of plan around their generosity. And less than 10% of us are giving anywhere close to 10%. I was shocked by this. And and what I realized even this past week is, man, if, if money is a reflection of our worship, if money is a reflection of our loves, we as a church have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. And, and what I want to make clear right out of the gate is this. We're not in a position where we need more money. Like, that's not true at Flourishing Grace. In fact, we're, we're very financially, financially, we're very healthy. Like, we've set a budget based on what we think giving's going to be, and giving's matching that budget, and everybody's happy. Every, every ministry has what it needs to accomplish the plans they've made for this year. Of course, they all would love to, all of our staff, our students and kids and everyone else, they would love to do more, right? But they, they have enough to do what their plans were for this year. We've saved up enough that if something were to happen within the economy or within the markets, right, we have enough to keep the lights on, to keep ministry going, to keep advancing the gospel. Um, to keep paying ourselves. We have, we have enough. We are, we are financially in a great position. But when it comes to our generosity and our worship, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. And so over the next few weeks, we're just going to be talking about what does it look like to become generous worshipers, those who worship God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, to worship God with everything we have. What does it look like? And the hope is is that we we would respond generously. Not again, not because we need more money, but because man, God is moving in us and we're releasing our grasp on the things of this world and we're clinging all the more tightly to Him. And so we wanted to think strategically about this and to say, man, how do we set up something for flourishing grace to respond to? And I want to be clear on this this morning before we get into the text. Uh, We've set up a new fund at Flourishing Grace. Um, a fund for those who might say, man, I, I want to worship generously, right? So it's not, not a normal, uh, not normal general fund, but a fund that is above and beyond those things. A fund that's above and beyond those things. And so we've set up what we're calling our legacy fund. And the reason we're calling it a legacy fund is because um, many of us in this room, or some of us in this room, will probably never see that money uh, actually be spent um, it'll be after we're dead and gone, or maybe after uh, we've moved on uh, from, from Utah and, and God has taken us someplace else. This is money for the future. 
As we look around this room this morning, we realize, man, there's a, there's a lot of people in this room. La- last month was our highest attended month that we've ever had, and this month we're tracking for uh, to even beat that number. This past summer, uh, our summer Bible adventure camp was the highest attended Bible adventure camp we've ever had. Our students on Sunday mornings, our, our student ministry on Sunday mornings, the huddles, I mean, we have more students coming on Sunday morning than we've ever had before. And so as we're looking at what's happened, if you came, if you came late today, there probably wasn't a parking spot for you. You probably parked it on the street. Um, this is just the reality of flourishing grace. Um, our, our, our nursery, um, if you've been around the past few weeks, you know that we have like 15 million new babies that have been born um, this year at Flourishing Grace. And our, our nursery is being overrun. And we have plans to redo the nursery because it's the oldest, stinkiest, smelliest room in the building. It's not because there's little babies in there. Um, it's because it's old. And we just, we just need some to do some work around here. But as we process this as a staff, and we're, we're thinking, okay, I mean, well, how do we, we got to change our service times next week to make more space. And what if we added a gathering? What if we move some things around and make more space? And what do we need to do in our parking lot to make more space? We're always thinking about those things, but the reality is there's a day coming, and it's not that far off, when we're just going to need to make a move. Some of you have gone through this in your life. You have older kids, and when they were first born, you're like, man, we have plenty of space. Like, this is a, we have a big house and plenty of room, and then they get bigger. And you're like, we don't have any space. Um, you know what this is like. And you, be, you realize, oh, we should have been saving for things, like things like college. Or when my kid turns 16, they're going to want a car. Like, I got, we, got, we should have been prepared for this. And so as a church, we want to be prepared for this. We see it coming on the horizon, and we want to be a church that's prepared if you've lived through that in, in South Davis County, you, you, had a, you had a house that was plenty big, and then all of a sudden your kids get big, and you're like, oh my gosh, we've got to start busting down some walls or move into a new house. You know, in South Davis County, that's a very expensive endeavor. And with the mortgage rates the way they are, it's an extremely expensive endeavor. And so we want to be wise about it. We see that day on the horizon. We see it coming in the distance. And so what does wisdom look like? Wisdom looks like being prepared for that day. And so the Legacy Fund is really primarily about setting aside money for that day so that in two to three years from now, we as a church would have a million, maybe two million dollars set aside ready to place a down payment on a building that would be big enough to uh, house Flourishing Grace Church for the foreseeable future. We want to walk wisely when it comes to our money and praise God, not by any uh, skill of mine or even ability of mine, men, we have walked wisely with our resources at Flourishing Grace. And I think we're going to continue to do that. And so we wanted to set up that fund to walk wisely with our finances, but then also make space for a church that begins to become more generous with their worship. As I said, we have enough. We, 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 we're happy. We, we have plenty of money. But we see a day coming when we're going to need more. And so as we say, let's become more generous, where does that generosity go? It goes to our future as a church. Are we making sense at all? So today we're not going to be asking for any money. We're not, we're not going to be taking a, a special offering. Just everybody chill out, I promise. I'm not going to spring that on you. Three weeks from now, we're going to be talking more about that legacy fund. And we're going to receive that together uh, as a church. It's not, it's not for today. Today I want to talk about... Uh, being a generous worshiper, and I want us to look at that text from Mark 12. And so before we do that, I'm just going to pray, and we're going to get into it. All right, let's pray. Jesus, I pray that this would be clear, that there would be a lot of clarity 
around what we are doing here. That we're not, we're not asking for more money. We are begging you to form us into generous worshipers. When we look at the facts in front of us, we know that we've, we've failed in that. We're not doing well. If, if our money and our resources are mere to our affections, it does not look good. And so would you transform us as a church? Would you change the way we think and change the way we act? Would you help us to release our grasp on the things that this world clings to? Help us to cling tightly to you. Pray that you would use this sermon in the next few weeks to help us become generous worshipers. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, friends. I love this story. Um, I love the story because it's, it's not a parable. It's not, it's not a story that Jesus is making up. This is something that's actually happening in real time. Jesus is sitting there with his disciples in, in, the, in the treasury. Right? The treasury would have been housed in what's known as the court of the women. Um, it's called the court of the women, but it's not for women. I don't know why, actually, it was called the court of the women. But it was just a court you passed through in order to get into the temple in Jerusalem. And Jesus is sitting there in, in the court of the women. And they're, and they're looking at the, at the treasury. And the treasury were these 13 uh, money boxes. And they were, they were uniquely shaped. They were called shofar chests. Shofar is like a big trumpet and because they look like big trumpets. Uh, they were small on one end and they got larger down at the other end, kind of like a, like a trumpet does. You can picture it. You guys, I don't know why I'm making hand gestures is what a trumpet looks like. Uh, they look like a trumpet. And this was to prevent theft, right? You put, you put money in the small end and it rolls down to the larger end. Nobody could reach their hand in there to steal, steal money. And there's 13 of them, and they're all for different things. Um, uh, grown adult men were required to pay an entrance fee into the temple, and so some of them were for that, some of them for different things, and some of them were for just people who just gave generously out of the generosity of their heart. And so Jesus is sitting there, and he's watching this. Giving would have been a public thing in that day. I know today in, in, in America, it's like, oh my gosh, nobody can know how much anybody gives. Oh, like we, have a, we have a skewed and warped and twisted view of money. We'll probably talk more about that in coming weeks. Um, but we're like so like secretive. This is mine, right? It's like, no, it's not. Um, it all belongs to the Lord. But like that's what we've been indoctrinated and ingrained in. Um, but in this day, it was, it was a very public thing. And so people are coming in, and they're, they're dropping gold and silver coins into these boxes. Um, and then along comes the poor widow. And the poor widow comes, and she drops in two small copper coins, the equivalent of a penny. It's tiny, 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 tiny amount. And Jesus speaks to that. He says to his disciples, he says, he called them over. He says, he says listen, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who were contributing to the offering box. She put in more than everybody else. And the point of Jesus' statement is to force his disciples to ask a question. And to force you as his disciples, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, to ask a question. And the question is, more what? That's what you're meant to ask. More what? Because you know she didn't put in more money, right? You have all these people who are putting in this ridiculous amounts of wealth, gold and silver. And she comes in and she puts in the smallest amount possible. Two small copper coins. She says, that's more. She put more into the box than anybody else. More what? 
It's not money. I think the answer is actually pretty obvious. If you just think about it for a second, you guys probably are already picking up on it. It's, It's more love, more affection, more devotion, more worship. The poor widow is putting worship into the box. More worship than anyone else. And that's the goal of this series, is that we would become a people who put worship into the box. We must become a people who put worship in the box. If we are going to be marked by a generous worship, we must reframe how we think about this and think about what does it mean to put worship in the box. We must become a people who put worship in the box. How do we do this? How do we become a people who, who, who think rightly about generosity and become a people of worship rather than a people of giving? Um, first is this, okay? First thing. We, we must be able to distinguish between support and worship. You must know the difference between support and worship, right? We are a nonprofit, a 501c3, okay? And every nonprofit is saying, you need to support us, right? That's, that's the sales pitch for every nonprofit, right? We don't pay taxes, praise the Lord. Um, and everything that you see, everything you see costs, costs money. It just, it just does. And so give us support. Support this initiative and support what we're doing and no, 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 like whatever it is, right? That's how it's framed so often. And, and to my shame, like we've framed it that way. We've stood up here and said, man, we need to, like, your, your, your giving goes to, you know, kids going to camp or whatever it is. Like, because of your generosity, we can do this. Like, we've, we frame it that way. We frame it that way. But here's the problem. If, if giving in this room, giving in the church, is about support, supporting a ministry, supporting whatever, an endeavor, what good did the widow do? What good did she do? I mean, let's just be really, really blunt. She didn't do jack. She did no good. Like, it doesn't help. The temple treasury in Jerusalem would have been a massive amount of money. Her two copper coins make no difference. They make zero difference. And I know every, every politician's like, every dollar counts. It's like, no, it doesn't. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's, there's no difference being made. And so we, we have to stop viewing our giving as, and I'm writing this check. We don't write checks anymore. I don't know what I'm talking about. I did the same thing in the last gathering. I'm like making this like check writing hand gesture. It's like nobody writes checks anymore. I'm giving to support this thing. Or I'm giving as a payment because it's an exchange. Like I, I'm receiving some sort of spiritual benefit or spiritual resources. And so therefore my kids are. So therefore I'm going to give. No. No. We want to become a people who worship generously. When giving to you is a form of sacrificial worship to God, when this act of releasing money becomes an act of love and devotion, all of a sudden, listen, the penny matters. It matters. It matters when it's worship. Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's saying, come on, don't give to make an impact for the kingdom. Give to worship the king. 
So many of us think, man, I, I, I'm, I can't really make an impact. I, maybe I'm, I'm a single mom, and what I could give wouldn't make much of an impact. I just got a new job. I haven't even got my first paycheck yet. What I could give today wouldn't make much of an impact. Man, I'm just a student. I'm just a junior high student or a high school student. What I could give just wouldn't make much of an impact. And you're right. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. But what Jesus is trying to get you to see is, man, you can still worship. Worship is not about an amount. It's about a declaration. It's not about your impact. It's about your worship. And I want us to move from being givers to being worshipers. I want the penny to matter at Flourishing Grace Church. I think that for many of us, many of us in this room, we have failed to think rightly about this. And my my guess is for the 40% of us that, that give nothing at all, a decent amount of us, it's because we just realize, ah, what I have to give wouldn't make much of an impact. So I want to invite you, whether you give or don't give, or what, I just want you to push that out of your mind and say that's not why we do what we do here. It can't be why we do. We want to become generous worshipers. We must not confuse impact for worship. We can't confuse support and worship. The second thing I want you to see is this. What we need is not more money but a fresh perspective on God. It's not an amount. It's not, man, if I just had enough money, then I could worship. No, 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 no. What we need is not more money, but a fresh perspective on God. The woman doesn't need more money to worship greatly. She just needs a big picture of God. She puts in the smallest amount of money and yet the most worship. She does not need more money in order to be the greatest worshiper in the court that day. We don't need more money. We need a fresh perspective on God in order to worship. Uh, I like John Piper. He, he's, a, he's a Baptist pastor and minister in, in uh, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And on speaking on worship, he said this, what, what is worship? He says, the inner essence of worship is to know God truly and then to respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God. By valuing God, treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, being satisfied in God above all earthly things. And then that deep, restful joy, satisfaction in God overflows in demonstrable acts of praise from the lips and demonstrable acts of love in serving others for the sake of Christ. I mean, I value God more than I value the things of this world because he's more valuable. I love God more than I love the things of the world because he's more lovely. And all of that overflows into demonstrable acts of praise. We become generous worshipers. All worship is a declaration of God's worth. It's not an amount you can put $10 million in the box. It doesn't make it worship. No, there's no amount that makes it worship. It's a demonstrable act of God's worth. The woman is making a declaration that God is more valuable than her comfort. She's putting in all that she has to live on. God is more valuable than her desires. 
This woman is not immune to the desires of the world. She walks through the market. She sees things that she would like to buy, and yet she says no. She puts it in the box. She's declaring that God is more valuable than her needs. Jesus says she puts in all that she has to live on. That God is more valuable than, than food. God is more valuable than shelter. He's more valuable than everything. She's making this unbelievably declaration of God's worth and supreme value and supreme beauty and supreme glory by putting everything in the box. But even more than that, she's also trusting God with all of these things. She's saying, I trust, I know who God is, and he is a God who will provide. He's a generous God. And so for us, in order to become generous worshipers, we must know God truly. Our, gener our generosity is a worshipful overflow of praise as we see him for who he is, as we value him for who he is, and as we trust him for who he is. The early church also declared this. They declared this with their actions. The first Christians, they made this declaration. In Acts 2, we see this so clearly. Acts 2.45 reads this way. And they, the early Christians, they were selling their possessions and belonging. They're distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They were selling their stuff as an act of generous worship. They saw somebody who had a need, somebody who, who wasn't uh, able to pay rent, somebody who wasn't able to put food on the table. Like, well, I can, I can just sell these things in order to provide for you. But this, is, this act of generosity is not separated from the worship. The very next verse, and day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Radical, generous worship is what we see in the early church. It's so what we see in the life of this woman. These are not rich people, but they're radically generous people. They worship with what they had. The early church put worship into the box because they had a fresh perspective on God. Not because they had a lot of money, but because they had a fresh perspective on God. They knew a God who had given all for them. A God who did not hold back from them. A God who loved them enough to provide for everything they needed. Paul talks about it in Romans 8. This way, he says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him, with Jesus, graciously give us all things? God didn't spare his son. What's he going to hold back from you? What's he going to say, no, 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 this is actually more precious to me than my own son? There's nothing more precious Listen, I, there's people in this room that I love dearly. I mean, greatly adore and love. But if it comes between you, life or death, you and my boys, it's not going to end well for you. Okay, let's just, let's just be clear on where we stand. I love you, but I don't love you that much. But God did not spare his only son, his greatest treasure, his greatest delight, his greatest love he gave up for you. He gave him up for you because he loves you. And if he didn't spare his son, what is he going to hold back? What's he holding behind his back? He's saying, hey, you can have my boy, but you can't have this thing. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. 
He's lavished it all upon you and is going to continue to lavish upon you. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 7 this way. He says, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts, like, let's be honest, like, world's best dad, probably not in this room. I'm saying you might do, do a decent job. I, I, I'm a decent dad. But if me, who, who is broken and fractured and evil, if I know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who's perfect, give good things to those who ask him? How much better are his gifts than what you could possibly give? On my best day of love-driven generosity, towards my boys or towards my wife or towards my friends, on my best day of love-driven generosity, then I don't even come close. I don't come close to his level of generosity. And so the early church and this woman, they look at God and they see a God who is more worthy of all things, the, the God who has established all things, the God who's holding all things together, the God who's worthy of all worship and honor and praise, a God who owns all the money in the world. He owns a cat, the cattle on a thousand is. They see a worthy God, but they also see an radically generous God, a God who will take care of them, a God who will supply. And it moves them to radical generosity. The widow, again, is declaring with her money that God is to be worshipped over her comfort, worshipped over her desires, and worshipped over her needs. She's not giving to support a ministry. She's radically declaring the worth of God. And so, what are you declaring with your money? If you follow the money, where does it lead? It is declaring something. Your money, your budget, your, your spending, it's, it's declaring something. What is it declaring? What's it declare? I want to challenge you this week to answer that question. To actually sit down with your budget. Hopefully you have a budget. If not, that's declaring something else entirely. Um, to sit down with your budget, or just look at your bank account. You say, what does this declare about my heart? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does it say? If you actually want to take this seriously, if you actually want to come along for the ride over the next few weeks, let's get an answer to the question. What does my money declare? Many of us spend more on youth sports than we put into the box because this is America and we worship youth sports. Let's just be real. We worship it. We worship vacation. We spend more on vacation than we put into the box because we, we worship our time. We spend more on hobbies than we put into the box because we worship our hobbies. What are we worshiping with our money? You are worshiping something with your money. What are you worshiping? This is a critical question. That as followers of Jesus, as people who say, man, I want to worship the God of the universe with all of my heart and with all of my strength and with all of my mind, man, follow the money. It will tell you what you are worshiping. What does your money declare about your heart? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I'll tell you what, what my goal is at Flourishing Grace when it comes to money. 
My goal is this, that we would be the most generous church in Utah, like by far, and everybody would know. That doesn't mean that we were the richest church. It doesn't even mean that we give the most. Not, not at all. Not at all. It's, that's not my hope. My hope is that we are the most radically generous church because we are a people who truly worship God with all that we are and all that we have. And the day that that becomes true, the day that that becomes true, there will be a generosity that flows out of this place that will transform lives. Like I said it, I said at the beginning of this, and we are fine. Like we have plenty of money to do the things that we plan to do this year. But I believe that if we actually worship God with all that we are, there will be so much more done. Because we don't need more. We, we can give it away. We can, we can give it to, to, to the pastors in India who are, who are barely able to feed their people. Maybe we can send more kids to camp than ever before. We can, we can engage in ministry, planting more churches than, than ever thought possible. Like there, There's so much more to do if we would become a radically generous people. But the root of that must be worship. Worship. Is God worthy of all that we are and all that we have? Would we be the widow, the one who puts more into the box than anyone else? Might that mark every single one of our lives? More what? More money? No. More worship, friends. That's the hope. That is the prayer. That's, that's what we're after. That each one of us individually and all of us collectively would put more worship into the box than anyone else in the room. That we would become the widow. What is your money declaring about you? Let me pray for us. Jesus, we come before you, and I know, I know that for most of us in this room, most of us, if we follow the money, it does not declare your worth and your beauty and your power and your fame and your majesty and your might is not declared with our money. And so I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would change that. Not change the amount that we give, but rather change the heart of worship at Flourishing Grace. That you'd form us into radical worshipers. People who sing out and cry out every day for more of you. People who everywhere we go and Everybody in our office would know that you are the most lovely thing in our life. Everyone in our schools would know that you are the most worthy thing in our life. That you could pull any thread in our life. And it would declare your worship. And that includes our money. Would you form us into generous worshipers as we release our grasp on the things of this world and cling all the more tightly to you. Only you can do that. So I pray these things in your name. Friends, we're just going to have a time of response. 
Our, our prayer team is going to be up here just to pray over anybody who needs prayer in their life this morning, anything that's going on in your life. If there's, a, if there's an area where and you, you need transformation, then they want to pray that over you. If there's a place you need healing, then they want to pray that over you. There's a place where in, there, there's more sin than there is worship. There's more greed than there is. They want to pray that out of your life. The Holy Spirit's been laying something on you this morning and something you just can't shake. I mean, they want to pray into whatever that is. So I'm just going to give us a time in this room to just respond to the word of the Lord, to consider the, the widow who puts in just the two small copper coins, to consider what in our lives are declaring about him and his glory and his fame and his renown. What are we declaring? And then we'll continue by singing one last song together. But right now, I just want you to just take what you've heard, take it and lay it before the Lord. Spend a moment reflecting and responding to the word this morning.